What? Right back, where are you going? Alright, I'm gonna play some intermissions while you're gone. Okay, some piano. We are currently on a station break. See, people on the live stream don't even get this. All zero of you. What's this button do? Talk about things. It's a podcast, people. Hey, this is Milo the Coder, and you are listening to PHP Ugly, episode 61. In this show, Eric and Thomas talk about the upcoming release of Symphony 4 and the PHP 7.1 requirement, ads to hit your echo, and my dad talking about my entry into the world of coding, and a lot more. So let's get started. Thomas Rideout. Eric Van Johnson. How are you doing? How are you doing, I'm, my buddy? I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> so 61 is a very important number in baseball history. Babe yeah. Ruth Babe Ruth set the single season home run record as 60 in 1961. And that stood for for several years. I, I don't I don't remember exactly how long until um uh Roger Maris finally broke it. So the the new record was 61. Uh, there's a real popular movie out there. It's a great movie, too. Uh, Billy Crystal has directed it or produced it. I can't remember which one, but it follows Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris as he's pursuing to, be, to, to beat this uh, 61 record. And then years and years later, um, I mean, that, that, that 61 home runs in a single season um, stood... For for a very long time, uh, actually, I, I'm sorry. Uh, Babe Ruth, I think, set the record in, in uh, 1927, and uh, Roger Maris uh, broke it in 1961. I think that that might be the numbers. He 61 home runs, 1961 baseball. I'm actually See, a bigger you, fan. You're, of you're Nolan gonna Ryan. you're gonna get Nolan that. Nolan Ryan, who had 61 shutouts in his career. See, you're not getting any of that. See, see, you don't have. You think you have the power, but you don't have the power. Welcome when to episode edit, 61, everybody. When you edit this, you're going to hear the sound effects. I'm doing sound effects here. You're not hearing oh. sound effects, but they're sound yeah, no. effects. No, you're just yes. ruining your audio stream. No, you're just ruining my intro. Stepping all over me, as per usual. I wasn't stepping all over you at all. Stepping all over me, as per usual. Do you even know? Do you even know who broke? Roger Maris's record of 61 home runs. Do you even care? Uh, it was two people, wasn't it? It was... That's uh... spooky nope. that you even nope. get that close. I know that it's two people. I know that I remember the big contest. Mm. Wow! That is impressive. You're right. So, Mark McGuire... Mark, yeah, Mark McGuire. And, uh, S- Sammy Sosa were in the running to beat it. Right. Uh, Sammy actually uh, uh, got, you know, didn't quite... Um, Get as close, but Mark McGuire did end up beating it. And then years and years later, uh, uh, Bonds, I think, shattered it as well. And I, I was at the game, I believe. Uh, was it, was it that game that I was at? I was at one of the big games where Bonds, uh, Bonds hit this big record home run. Uh, so yeah. You know, you know, Good the, job. The, uh, you know, the guy who caught McGuire's ball. 
took a Sharpie to it and put a little asterisk no, I... on it. <laughs> Seriously. So that he would know it was his, or why? why so that he would know that? that it was conditional on use of steroids. Are you serious? Did he really do that? Yeah, really. Mm. Yeah, way to take uh, way to take the great American game to uh, doom and gloom there. Thomas. Oh, it's it's all week this week. I I hope you're excited. Man, it's... I got I got uh, sound effects here. Here, a dramatic piano for you. That's not nearly as doomy. Yeah, doomy don't, as I don't hear movie. nothing. Drums. Oh, there's a little rim shot there. It's it's like Halloween on our Trello board this week. It has been a spectacularly bad week in tech. We can't just jump into the news, Thomas. No, We're I'm friends. just excited. I'm just excited. We're supposed to have a conversation. Why Why doesn't it look like my camera is set up correctly? That's just how like you look. I am typically much cuter than this yeah all right hey uh did you notice uh hangouts uh got the bottom third there again eh yeah i'm liking it not super helpful for a podcast but uh if you're one of the one people who watches our live feed (laughs) you can see it but there's a whole lot of things that that are happening at google right now google io uh keynote google io is going on right now and the keynote was yesterday and i made the massive, massive mistake of watching the keynote in my office where I have a Google Assistant, and that thing was just going off nonstop. I, I'm like, I couldn't. I I was tempted to unplug it. it. It just a lot of the Google keynote was around the Google Assistants and the things you can do with Google, and they kept saying that the trigger phrase multiple, multiple times. Did you watch uh, the keynote for Google I/O at all? No, I watched the uh, the Destiny Two keynote this morning. Mm. But, so uh, not surprising, not surprising. Um, they they're not they don't have they. I might have missed it. I didn't watch the whole thing, and Google I/O is still going on, so they're still announcing things. But from what I'd seen, they they didn't announce any new Google Home Assistant. The big thing was the behavior for the Google Home Assistant was going to get integrated into Android. So everybody was going to have the Google system. However, the one thing I did think that was pretty interesting and almost looked like a feature-to-feature attack on the Echo is you're going to be able to make phone calls with your Google Assistant. Hmm. Anywhere that does seem US. like a direct response. And they have the infrastructure to do this. They, they've had Google Voice for years. It used to be uh, they bought Grand Central back in early 2000. They've been like hoarding this little google voice service which i think is a fantastic service i i don't know why they don't publicize more for it uh it's one of the services that i would be more than happy to pay for to get some additional features but they offer for free and uh google voice has been my phone number probably for 10 years now every phone i've ever had i i set it up to let to use google voice and I've never had to tell anybody to use a different phone number, even though I've switched cell phones, I've switched offices. Uh, I haven't told people to use any other number but my Google Voice number for years. But um, So they've had the infrastructure there. And now they didn't say they were leveraging it, or if they did, I missed it. But when they said that you'll be able to make phone calls with the Home Assistant, uh, they didn't say you had to have a Google Voice account. All they said was you can call anywhere in the U.S. for free. 
I, I think it was even, it might even be the U.S. and Canada. I'm, I'm not totally sure on that. So it's just, I imagine you're going to have to set up a, a, a Google Voice account because they're not just going to let you call anonymously to, to people. But yeah, I thought that was super, super cool. And yeah, a, a direct, um, and unlike the Echo, where the Echo is a Echo to Echo call, uh, Google Voice is calling any landline, any landline or mobile line. So you just call somebody on their regular phone call. They don't need to have a Google Assistant for you to call them. Yeah, that is going to be nice. Yeah, I mean, if I, if I had, if I had a Google Assistant, which I don't. Well, you have an Android phone, right? I have an old one. Well, now your Android phone can make phone calls. No, it's old. It's a cell phone, dude. It could always make phone calls. Come it on, barely, it barely you. makes phone I'm calls too. Here, hold on. I gotta do my. I gotta do my rim shot. Oh yeah, you're gonna love editing this one. Oh, this is this is going to work. I'm liking this. Uh, so Google Google I/O is still going on. I I've, I've been to a couple Google I/Os, and it it's a fantastic conference to go to if you can afford it. It used to be. I don't know if it's still the case, but it used to be quite profitable to go to a Google yeah. I/O. I mean, they used to give away some ridiculous, ridiculous gifts. I I got my first Android phone from a, from a Google I.O. that I went to. I got my first Chromebook, which I used that Chromebook up until about a year ago. Uh, it's still sitting here on my shelf somewhere. It's uh, I got my first uh, I got my first Android tablet at a at a Google I.O. event. I mean, it's just it was ridiculous the crap that they gave uh, people at those at the Google I.O. event. Ridiculous. Yeah, now you just get the Google Cardboard. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what the prize package is this year. I'm sure it's good. Yeah. Google always gives away a lot of stuff. Oh, excited about tech next week. Um, heading heading to Atlanta. Headed to the ATL where the players play. I think yeah, maybe we'll actually Miami? get uh, John back on the podcast for that one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He's going out there with the family. I know he's got a lot going on. John, oh, that's John's right. From East Coast, I forgot he ruined his vacation already. <laughs> so J- John is leaving for tech tomorrow. Uh, I mean, not for tech. John is leaving for the East Coast tomorrow. He's going to uh, take some time, visit family, meet me up at, at tech on Tuesday. I actually fly in on Tuesday. Uh, really looking for tech. I don't think we're going to have a podcast next week, next week, Tom. I thought we I were think... going to do it remote. I thought we were going to have the PHP Tech gaggle con thing. Yeah, we are. We are going to do that. Are, do, do you think you're going to be a part of it? Is that is that what you thought? Oh, fingers crossed. <laughs> That's a good idea. I, I'm going to see. Uh, I don't know anything about it. Uh, like I said, the organizers of uh, Tech reached out and said or asked if we'd be interested. Said yeah, um, that's pretty much all. No, I did see. I, I think that the plan is to do it Thursday night because that is community night. And in the email they said on community night there are going to be games in uh, a podcast was one of the things on the list. So I assume that's the podcast we'll be doing. And excited about that. It's going yeah. to be fun stuff. I'd love to invite but myself to that one. You can invite yourself. I, I don't know how it's going to work out. I, I like I said. I've seen podcasts and I've listened to podcasts done at conferences a few times and they are rarely ever very well done between the bandwidth limitations of the hotel, just the general noise and audio of whatever, whatever room they stick to people in. It kind of, kind of typically not the the best of quality podcasts, but 
if we can use it as our podcast for that week, I will. I will probably do do that. Yeah, yeah I, I blame. Meet, I blame well, the editors. What's that? I blame the editors. The editors. Yeah. <laughs> and I get to meet uh, Sammy K. So I mean, I've met I've met him in passing before, but I, I've never sat down at a table with him and have done a podcast. So that that's going to be exciting stuff. Who's Sammy K? You do not know who Sammy K is, and you call you call yourself a, a PHP podcaster. I'm doing an interview technique for the listeners who don't know who Sammy K is. <laughs> Sammy K is probably one of the first podcasts I listened to that were that was uh, PHP specific. He does the PHP roundtable, and uh, great guy, funny guy, uh, dancer. He was actually recently here in San Diego at a dance competition. Um, so yeah, there's, there's that, uh, but yeah, real good guy. been doing podcasting for a super long time. Um, then, um, he actually now contributes to PHP core, which was, which is, you know, huge. I mean, the guy, the guy had a feature that he, he wanted to implement and, uh, he, uh, taught himself, uh, C and wrote the, the, piece of code and submitted to a uh, core and yeah i mean the guy is uh the guy is legit nice yeah i thought so so what else have you been up to this week uh let's see what else have i been up to this week um so uh the kid uh the kid one of my daughters has taken up um coding and i couldn't be more excited I saw that and she. I, you forced her to get a Twitter account. Did not. Oh, okay. I did force her to get a Twitter account. That's true. She did not want to do. I guess. I guess Twitter is not cool with the kids anymore. No. So I. Uh, I did strongly. I didn't force her. I strongly encouraged her. Told her there were some great resources out there that she could follow, and um, so she did. I. I, I said, if you don't want it so that it's something your friends have an expectation of you contributing to, you know, have a very focused Twitter stream. So Milo the coder is her handle. Milo underscore the underscore coder. If anybody's interested in following a young lady who is making her first foray into coding. And uh yeah, she she's sticking with it. I, I gotta tell you, I'm I'm excited. I I figured she's kind of teased me with this idea before and it's been like you know, all of half a day, it would, it would retain her interest. Uh, but she is, I think going on day three or day four now, she spends at least an hour a day. The other day I caught her in bed, uh, after she'd done her hour, she, she usually hangs out with me in my office and codes for an hour. Um, but I caught her in bed doing some more coding, which I thought was you know a good sign. And, uh, could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> could be worse. So yeah, she's, I, um, when we were trying to decide what it was that she was going to do, obviously I gravitate towards PHP. I mean, that's obviously, right? That makes sense. And I didn't want to send her down that path yet, right? Because she has so many just basic skills she needs to learn. And I remember, and I know just in general with people who are wanting to learn new things, you want that immediate 
gratification. You want to sure. write some code, see something happen. You don't always get that with PHP, especially the way we do it. You know, we're actually notorious for doing back end work where there's never even a front end. So I, I knew I kind of wanted to do uh, JavaScript, um, something that was on the surface immediately. Uh, I, I wanted her to learn Vue because again, being a big Laravel group, uh, I'm very, very Laravel focused. Vue is huge. I wanted her to learn Vue, but I was reading through the tutorials as if I didn't know anything about coding, which actually wasn't that far of a stretch, unfortunately. <laughs> Wait, I got, I got, I got, I got my drum, rim shot for that one. Hold on. Okay. Uh, but I, I read through the tutorials and I, I just wasn't impressed. And I, I looked through a couple of other potential frameworks and I settled on Ember.js because <clears throat> Ember.js, the tutorial that comes with Ember, uh, is very complete, uh, very test heavy. So it's almost TDD. It's I, the tutorial is pretty much test driven development. Um, she doesn't know that. She doesn't understand why she's right. I mean, writing the test right now for her is just part of the process of coding. So she doesn't realize that it's, you know, an extra step or, or something that a lot of people don't even do. That is so, nice. yeah. So she's, she's learning these practices right from the beginning, uh, and working her way through the Ember tutorial. And I've got some other tutorials that I want her to, to look at next. And what's really fun. And I think one of the things that, maybe she stuck with it is when she runs into a problem or, or she kind of stuck, it's not an immediate, I know what your problem is. I can fix it situation for me. Cause I don't know the Ember framework. I've never worked in the Ember framework. I know some JavaScript. I'm not particularly fluent in JavaScript either, <clears throat> but I do know how to debug and troubleshoot. So I think she likes that. I, I, I can't really tell, you know, I think, if she came to me and I, I just sat there and said, oh, yeah, silly, you forgot this or you missed this, you know, it it might seem like, oh, you know, the, I, I'm so far behind. This is so worthless. But really, I mean, she's learning things that I don't know. And so she has a problem and she brings it to me and she just says, yeah, yeah dad, I'm supposed to have like three tests failing and I have 20 tests failing. I'm like, all right, well, there's a problem somewhere. And, you know, I, I show her how to read the test and or how to read the, the the results of the test and look at the code and you know we do it together so it's fun it's it's so you uh, you you had to talk then about stack overflow not yet not yet yeah that's, <laughs> didn't that's tell coming her, didn't tell her our, all our dark secret mm -mm. none of us know what we're doing her, we all use stack overflow i can't give her all the tricks yet it's a <laughs> it's a slow process i, I still have to you know i want to leave some of that impression of I know what I'm doing, or I'm I'm actually good at something without uh, without her <laughs> without without showing the man behind the curtain too quickly. Yeah, that's you don't want to give it away. <laughs> but yeah, besides that, man, I have gotten so heavily back on the Docker train. It's ridiculous. I um TJ Miller, who is uh you know. Uh, Pretty big guy in the PHP community, in the Laravel community especially. Um, he's been making the rounds on a bunch of podcasts lately. <clears throat> we talked to him <clears throat> last week on Lair Chat Live. Um, but him and I had been exchanging telegrams for a while, um, just kind of talking back and forth. Super friendly, super nice guy. And he's huge on Docker. And he kind of rekindled my my interest. I, I, I had kind of sh shelved Docker. Like, I'd, I'd done enough of it where I'd gotten a 
a, a pretty good understanding of it and I saw a lot of benefit to it, but I didn't get to the point where I'm like, okay, this is it. This is all I'm implementing. I, I ha- had kind of gotten there for my personal development environment. And then I ended up, uh, I don't know if you remember the, this story, but I ended up rolling that out because I, I was running into a couple of issues I couldn't resolve. And I, you know, I mean, that's how I make a living, right? I have to do development. Right. So I, I, I ended up having to re-implement another solution. I, I went with Valet. I still didn't go back to Vagrant. I, I went with Valet with a lot of the stuff. I still still use Vagrant for a couple things. But after talking to uh, TJ uh, for a while, you know, he really got me interested in it, in it, in it again. And I, we have a client that's a very unique use case. And I think Docker is the perfect scenario for it. Uh, because they have a bunch of different version requirements. They have a diff, they have a very, um, microservice sort of driven environment where they have services running on multiple servers, some Nginx, some Apache, some using MySQL, some using Postgres. Um, so I started, I started working through my Docker implementation for that again and so happy with the progress where now I'm toying around with the idea again of implementing Docker containers that I can just push to production. Docker containers that I can give to a developer, say, hey, develop in this container, and then have that container be part of the deployment uh, when we do deployments. Um, I'm not there yet, but I'm definitely getting a standardized Docker environment for development. And I'm working through, like, I think before it was my mindset uh, with Vagrant, and virtualization, it's all or nothing, right? You spin mm-hmm. up this virtual server and you start adding everything you need. You need the MySQL, you need the uh, web server. And I think that was the biggest problem I had w- with my initial approach with Docker, probably a lot of people's initial approach with Docker, is I wanted to get from zero to 100 really quick. And so I tried to put all the all the blocks together in one pass. And when things weren't working, it, you know, started to get a little overwhelming of what piece wasn't working. So this time I'm taking a much more scaled back approach where I'm slowly, you know, putting the web server together and making sure the web server works. Yeah. The web server, everything's perfect with the web server. Now I'm adding on the uh, database store, uh, the data store, the database, uh, and making sure that works. And so I'm, I'm kind of taking a much slower approach to it just to make sure I have everything interacting together. And TJ gave me some, some pointers, of, you know, best practice, not necessarily best practices, just some things that he'd come across when he was implementing things that, that I'd, I'd struggled with. And I'm like, oh yeah, this makes a lot of sense now. So super, super happy again with Docker. I, I still, man, I, I still think it's going to be the way, the way moving forward. Uh, you know, once Docker itself is maturing. There are a lot of tools that are are maturing around it. So it's getting easier to implement, easier to manage. And uh, the idea, just having that that environment where you as a developer have complete control over in your development environment and package the whole thing up and have that whole thing deployed, man, what, what a powerful solution that's going to be. And that's powerful for us where we're pretty a, a PHP deployment in, in the sense of um, an application server is a pretty vanilla deployment. Yeah. Uh, there's not a whole lot of bells and whistles once you get things t- dialed in, but I used to manage a, a Java environment where 
it was so common that whatever configuration the developers had in their environment never would never trans translate to production. There was yeah. always some something wrong with it. So, I, I, and I think Rails, you know, Rails used to have a similar problem with packages and and all this. Uh, I no, think it still um, does. Yeah. So being able to do these. Do this development in these containers that that have the entire stack in it, and deploying that entire container to a production, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Fantastic. I I still think the the tools are still missing a little bit, um, but it's getting close, man. It's getting so close. So yeah, back on the Docker train, digging Docker again. Nice. Never really got off the train, but yeah, big Docker guy. What about you? What have you been up to? I've been rambling. It's, I, I told you. I told you. <laughs> before the show even started, I haven't looked at the Trello board. I don't even know what the news items are. I have enough material just in general life and development that I could probably talk for most of the show. So I haven't even asked how your week was. What, what have you been up to? Uh, it's been all right. Um, got a sudden last minute uh, feature creep on one of my projects. Oh, just, those are always fun. Yeah, just last second, sort of like, hey, you think you can squeeze this in in, in one day? Like, This yeah, wouldn't be hard. Yeah. I, I just want you to do this one thing. It should yeah. be easy, right? But it was in JavaScript, so even easier. <laughs> um, my uh, The wife and I are thinking about getting our uh, PIs licenses. Private investigator yeah. license? Like Magnum PI? Yeah. Are you going to shave the beard and just keep the mustache? No, no. She wants to keep her beard. Okay. I I don't I don't own Hold this. On. I got I gotta give that one a rip shot. Wait a <laughs> second. She wants to keep her beard. There we go. No, no, oh, I don't hit it again. I don't own the beard here. This is this is all at her discretion. Oh 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 your her beard being your beard, not you, yeah. you did you were no, implying the, that your wife has a beard. No. I would never I would never No. No. Because those hospital bills were high. Yeah. That's she the the first broken bone I've ever had. Anyways, yeah. Um, if you've been following the news the last couple of weeks, uh, I've got some disputes with how Chase uh, does business, and they've made it clear that they don't intend to do their job. And so I found that getting a private investigator's license will give me access to some information that I need, and potentially give me uh, a side job defending people from. Chase's predatory tactics. So nice. I, I, I'm at some point going to be offering my services to uh, people who have been unable to get service from Chase's fraud protection group. Mm. Hopefully, hopefully recover some money from some people that have had the same problem as me. You need to. Uh, I, I don't know. Did I get on the uh, soapbox about getting uh, becoming a member of a credit union? You? Oh yes. No, you we're need, doing that you as need well. To do that. Yeah, definitely need to do that. I, I think I think I talked about this before, but I'll talk about it before. I I'll talk about it again. Um, I never understood the difference between a credit union and a bank. I mean, it was I thought they were all banks. I did, I just thought a credit union was just a a way bank chose to kind of refer to itself. And then I went to work for a credit union, and I saw the difference. Not only the the quote unquote marketing difference of you know you own the credit union the, the it's not shareholders and and all mm-hmm. of that is mm-hmm. true i mean there's there's it's all true stuff it's they're not they're not 
snowing you at all. But I also saw how credit unions work. And I mean, it's very much like the open source community where credit unions will completely help out other credit unions. Uh, there's no, there's not really that sense of, uh, a marketing rivalry where, hey, you're stealing our clients. And no, they, they help each other all the time. And it's very much a, you know, we're, we're, we, we need to become the institution where people have control over their money. So if you're not a member of a credit union, become one. I have not been a member of a bank in a very long time. Unfortunately, I actually, I should, I should preference that. My company has a bank account, and we tried not to. Uh, credit unions, because of the nature of a credit union, is not really set up to handle business accounts, and right. that's that's a good thing, right? I mean, that's kind of they try. Some of them have business accounts, but they're not very strong business accounts. So we ended up going back to a bank, and I, reg- I I'm not happy about it. I mean, the fee there's fees up the yin yang, and it's ridiculous. And but it's a bank; it's how banks work. And I've I'd forgotten how banks work. Uh, but if you d- if you don't have a personal credit union account, you get your ass out there tomorrow and just deposit money into a credit union. Even if you want to keep your bank account, most credit unions you can open an account for like five bucks or ten bucks or you know twenty bucks, whatever. I, I am that. in fact I am in fact getting it tomorrow. There you go. Yeah, do that. Do that. Everybody listening, get a credit union uh, account. It supports the credit union. It makes it better for everybody, and uh, you'll appreciate it. And the reality of it is, as a personal account, unless you're dealing with big bank, I mean, unless you've got, like, major cash flow, uh, you won't notice the difference. It, it will be completely transparent. The only thing you'll notice is you'll take out a loan, and you'll notice your interest rates are a little lower. Or, or something you know, along that lines. But uh, as far as a financial institute, it's no different than a bank. Insurance is the same. If they get robbed, your your money is safe. Get a credit union. So congratulations on your credit union. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't. I'm not supposed to talk too much more about uh, my issues with Chase, um, because we're trying to resolve it now in the branch instead of over their support service or their customer support service. So. We'll see. Uh, we'll see where it ends up. I have to go in in person and wave at the guy and provide my ID and say, "See, the guy in the picture isn't me." So, and well, good luck with that. I tell you what, though, you know who's really helped me out is the uh, the person in charge of security at Target. Because yeah. when oh my wife went in to talk to her to explain what was going on, and once once she realized that Chase had no intention of of returning our money, she was fuming. Really? Yeah. So she has contacted the police herself and made sure that all of the data that she has has been filed with the police report. And yeah, she's she's on our side here, which nice. Yeah, it's, it's good to have a person on your side. Yeah. Well, you know, so I said my one daughter is uh, doing coding. I have twin daughters, so there's two of them. The other daughter recently started working at Target, and she has had nothing but pleasant things to say about her experience. It's her first job. Uh, she's a cashier, so she's actually interacting with the public, which, you know, we all know. God help you know, her. People like you. People like you go through Target. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she's been she's been real positive about it. It says it's been a real good experience. So it's good. Sounds like a great first experience at working. So it sounds like Target is a, a cool place to be. Now, we ended 
last week's episode on a bit of a sour note. We did. What, what, what was it? I, I realized that you weren't paying attention to what I was saying. In fact, you were busy tweeting replies to people <laughs> during the podcast. I said one week and you were droning on about something. I was listening. It was you droning on. So we said we would. We said we would cover this, but okay. We we talked in the past. You and I personally have talked in the past about how I believe that Windows is turning Linux. They're they're heading yep. down a a particular path. I've and we 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 had spoken for a long time about the the thing that had been attracting developers to the Apple platform was was the unix underlaying and the the fact that they you know it was easy to build code and so yeah we've talked about that um and then we also talked about how uh windows was integrating bash yeah uh, the unix uh, the ubuntu bash right right the yeah. ubuntu bash interface and from there docker and microsoft are working together on a partnership to get the docker permissions proper access to the windows kernel so that docker performs as it should yeah that's interesting yeah so part of what's come out of that is the wsl the windows subsystem for linux and this is a sort of virtual mode that can run linux on windows and they announced that they are going to be officially supporting multiple non-ubuntu distributions on the Windows subsystem for Linux. So, yes. I, I believe it was SUSE? SUSE Linux. Fedora. Yeah. Yeah. Now, SUSE is, is weird. Uh, I, I'm not sure what the state of it is. That it's, That's the it one... It is ancient. Yeah. Well, that's the one Novell purchased uh, years right. years ago. Right. And then they had open SUSE. Novell's no longer around. And... Uh, Unfortunately, so yeah, yeah no, Novell's no longer with us. And then I believe the it was Fedora, right? It wasn't Red Hat; it was Fedora. Well, Red Hat's the parent there. company. Fedora is the corporate release. I'm sorry, Fedora is the public release. Fedora is is the commercial release. I mean, Fedora is the community release, right? Right. It's it's not it's not not actually Red Hat. I don't think is it is Fedora Red Hat? Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's R H E L. So. The kernel for so Red Hat this, splits into a weird way, but yeah, it's it's Red Hat. This is super super interesting to me. Now, there's a couple of of red flags that are going up for me. Um, first off, when when Windows did the Ubuntu bash, it was a big deal. Ubuntu was very involved with it. Ubuntu did a bunch of blog posts about how they worked with uh, Microsoft, how things are implemented, how it's how it's being supported, this, that, the other thing. With this new announcement, I, I didn't see Red Hat say, "Oh yeah, we've been working with Microsoft for months." And we implement. I didn't see any of that. Now, whether that whether or not that's Microsoft telling its partners, "Listen, we want some of the glory this time. We want to make make it. You know, we want it to be about us, not about you." That might have happened. I don't know. Uh, what I'm really concerned about is that isn't what happened. That this is just Microsoft saying, uh, "Yeah, we're going to implement this and we're going to do it our way." Now that's not completely a bad thing, but what it, that if that was the case, it would lead me more down the path of things that you and I talked about in the past, 
which was Windows moving to a Linux platform. Yeah. So think about that. I mean, AWS, the biggest cloud provider out there, they offer many different distros that you can deploy, but one of the distros that they offer is an AWS Linux, the one that they support. I mean, it seems very logical to me that at some point Microsoft is going to say, Okay, we'll we'll let you continue to run Ubuntu if you want to, Fedora if you want to, but here is the official supported Microsoft implementation of Linux and having a Microsoft Linux. I mean, I don't think that's too far of a stretch at all. Well, yeah, and Microsoft is moving away from the command prompt, which I'm used to, all the way back to Windows 95. Actually, I'm sorry, I, all the way back to 3.1 for workgroups was the first time I used it. And uh, now the, the default shell is PowerShell. So I, I think if you start seeing users of Windows acclimate to the Linux environment and to the, the command set, then it's, it's not too far off. Now, Windows is still doing some stuff that I think is shifty as hell. Um, they're doing, you know, they're doing forced automatic updates. Which I, I don't know anything about Windows system anymore. I'm a fan. I like the forced automatic updates. Um, given the prevalent the prevalence of, of people who don't know what the hell they're doing, it's a necessity at this point. Um, but one of those updates pushed advertisements onto the file browser, which which, which is shitty. The the explorer, yeah, explorer, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa! Pump the brakes here. Yeah. You're saying you're saying that they put ads into the OS file explorer? Yeah. That is that is shifty as hell. Yeah, so that's the thing is that when Microsoft got into the search engine game again, when they did the whole Bing thing, mm-hmm. they made a dedication to advertising revenue that I think people haven't paid attention to. And they're doubling down on that with the new Edge browser defaulting to Bing, Cortana being a Bing search result system. Uh, yeah, that unfortunately, your Windows company is also an advertising company. The, the The operating system is being provided by an advertising company now, and people need to uh, understand that when they complain that there's ads on their operating systems. Yes, there's. It's going to be that way from now on. Um. It's been like that on the Xbox Live service for years and years and years. Your content mm-hmm. on Xbox Live holds the place of one tile surrounded by 16 tiles of advertisements. You know, it's funny because uh, my mom has a Windows machine, and I thought it was weird, like, when you hit the little start menu with all the tiles come up, and half of them look like they were advertisements. They are. I'm like, what is this stuff? Uh so I, I, like I said, I haven't worked on a Windows machine day to day in a very long time. I don't necessarily miss it. Uh, am I a little intrigued to revisit it with this Linux implementation? To a small degree, but not really a big degree. There's still not an overwhelming uh, need for me to move over. I do think that it's kind of ironic the 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 possibility of saying that Linux is finally on the desktop. You know, or it's the year of the Linux desktop and it's being brought to you by Microsoft. That's right. really weird. The other thing I find kind of strange 
And was wondering your opinion on this. There's a lot of focus on the desktop and users and users getting Linux. In it. But with we, the thing that doesn't know, exist anymore, <laughs> we yeah. know as as IT people that the real power is on the server. And you don't see, or I at least I haven't seen a lot of discussion about these Linux implementations hitting the Windows server. Or, or is there? I mean, I assume there's still Windows servers out there. That's yeah. the whole thing, right? Uh. It's been a long time. I know you're an MCSE. Um, I it's been a long time since I took my MCSE stuff. So it when we did it, they were pushing Windows Server as this purest I'm not platform. An MCSE. I thought you were. That, that that shit expires, doesn't it? No, it doesn't expire. You're, As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm a, you're an MCSE. You're an MCSE 2000 or whatever. Whatever. No, it was before 2000. It yeah. was NT4. Okay, so you're an MCSE NT4. Maybe an NCP. I, I would have to find my card now. But yeah, they were they were on a system of, of purity. I think they're getting away from that now. Um, it's a very mixed environment, and I just I don't I don't see any ASP sites out there anymore. I really don't. Well, it's .NET now. Yeah, or well, it's any. Not, it's not. It's a C. Um, what do they call it now? C CX HTML socks. No, C sharp or oh yeah, it is. It's whatever. a C sharp now. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting but, to see where Windows is going. I have a Windows gaming machine that's going to be Windows forever. Um, but my desktop, which needs to be rebuilt in a couple weeks, is not going to get Windows again. Okay, but did you hear what happened? What Ubuntu announced? I didn't. Oh, I did. Ubuntu is ditching KDE. I'm no, sorry, no, ditching, ditching GNOME for. No. No, no. Fine, no. fine. What? what? Strike two. What do you want? <laughs> You're close, though. Uh, it, now now I can't remember what it's called. It's ditching the Ubuntu uh, desktop. What is it called? Um, what's the Ubuntu desktop called? It's not GNOME. Unity. It's ditching Unity. Unity. So that, that was... When, when Ubuntu announced Unity, I thought it was weird. I'm like, man... KDE and GNOME are so established in the Linux world. Why do you want to create this other desktop environment? But they they saw it as t- really taking ownership over the distribution, and, you know, being able to manage things like notifications and integrations and things like that. Really, really dominates um, the color brown too. They've they've captured the brown market. But yeah, moving forward, no more Unity. The whole Unity desktop now has been stopped. It's now part of a of the community the community there's there is a community effort to keep it going i think that's that'll probably fizzle out here in, a, in probably a year or two just like emacs but, did uh <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah now the default desktop for uh ubuntu is going to be a uh, no and some people some people worry that this is uh ubuntu stepping away from the desktop market and focus more on the servers Whatever. and where they're making the money out in the cloud. These are these are people who weren't using Linux in '98. People who who don't remember true, yeah. building systems one one icon at a time. the the shit yeah. that the shit that it just does by default now amazes me. In comparison in comparison to back when Barrel came out and you could have 3D on your desktop and that was the biggest deal in the world. So a lot of interesting things happening on the desktop market. And of course, you still have 
Apple Mac OS that's just kind of sitting there stagnated. It it hasn't changed. I think Apple's just milking that cow. They're they're so focused on the iPhone and yeah. iPad and iOS. They're just like, hey, listen, fuck it. It's not broken. Just let it shh. Don't don't do anything to it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm out of the iPhone market completely. I don't understand why I prefer that over Android at all. But well, even the new, even the new laptops. John's got one of the newer laptops. And it's just funny the the issues he continues to have with it, with between the dongles and. Yeah. I mean, he even has something as simple as a headset with a mic, which was working on the older Mac, doesn't work on the new Mac. And, and keeping in mind the, the the laptops do have the jack to plug into, and the mic just doesn't work. Yeah, I like to I like to uh, refer to that as casual disappointment. Where you've <laughs> you've spent three thousand dollars on something and someone says, Why can't you use your regular mouse? and you just go, Cuz <laughs> Shut up. Holy crap, Thomas. Look at the time. What are we at? Oh, okay. Let's, ba- let's, let's bust here? right into the news. Busting through the news now. Alright. This is your the first one here is yours. Throw it right at you. Oh yeah. Bump to the bump in the minimum version of PHP to PHP 7.1 for Symphony 4. This was announced uh, recently on I think it was on Twitter by the Symphony Guru dude himself. Uh, what's his name? Fatbot. His name? What? Fatbot? No, Fabian, right? Is it Fabian or something? Yeah, but he's Fabian Potentier. His, his Twitter handle is Fabpot, which I, every time I see it, oh. I read as Fabbot. Okay, you're you are correct. It does say fat bond. All right, yes. So, first thing, that's a huge jump for Symphony Four to have a minimal PHP requirement of PHP seven one, not even seven zero seven one, is a pretty hefty leap. The big question now becomes: if you remember, uh, Laravel five five. Had already announced the minimum requirement for that was going to be PHP 7. That was based on the fact that the Symphony components and a lot of the underlying, no, maybe it wasn't the Symphony components. It was other components underneath of it had that minimum requirement. But again, Laravel, Laravel def- depends very heavily on Symphony components. So do we think five, Laravel 5.6 will have a minimum of 7.1? Which I guess if Laravel five five, uh, it's already it's already been announced. The, if you follow the roadmap, uh, we discussed this a while back, where seven point actually uh, gets uh, security support up until next year, but it loses feature support at the end of this year. So mm-hmm. seven, I mean, we're moving fast on versions, and we're not getting away from it. Now, at the same time that he announced this, he put out a a poll and said, "Do you guys want to support HHVM as well?" And the poll universally came back and said, "Nah." So not not only we're 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 over it. <laughs> yeah. So not only is it going to require seven point one, but it will not support HHVM anymore. And Laravel's already dropped its support for HHVM. Uh, it's I, a, I keep saying Laravel. <clears throat> I need I need to be able to have it in the hashtag. We love Laravel. Laravel. Um, uh, a quick question came up on Reddit. Uh, why does PHP 7.1 use 61% more memory than PHP 7.0 for a simple echo? Do you know why? Because of the point one. Yeah, uh, it's opcache. Opcache is enabled by default. Precache is 
stuff. If you don't want it, uh. if you don't want it on your command line, which is what was being used to test, then you're going to have to go in and disable opcaching for the command line. So go ahead and do that. Opcache for seven one is enabled by default. Absolutely. Uh, we discussed uh, we discussed a good amount of Dude, tinker on fire. I know. You're well, we got to burn. Baby. We got to burn. I got a lot of bad news to get to. <laughs> <laughs> Turn and burn, baby. So. Uh, we we talked recently about uh, my my love for Tinker, the artisan shell command. Uh, another yes. awesome tip came up that you can say artisan uh, Tinker DD and then quote some code, and it'll just dump it straight back onto the console for you. So if you want to well, test that's not out. A tip. That's not a tip, it's a package. Wasn't that a package? I think that's a package. It is a package. This is the yeah. Laravel Artisan DD package. Right. Um, but right. it allows so you, you, you... Pull it in through Composer, yeah. Yeah, it allows you to, to do things a little bit faster. might help out your workflow. Check it out. Um, let's continue with the good news. Why not? Sure. You know what the NIST is? <laughs> so funny to see. You know we don't have like sponsors where... We have to hit a certain amount of news stories a show or anything. No, but no, but I that, appreciate that this. first no. forty who, minutes. I'm dead silent the entire time, so I'm just I'm just taking my <laughs> opportunity here to speak. <laughs> Who's the who? Who's the what? The NIST. I don't know them. The National Institute of Standards and Technology. Uh, these okay. these guys are are the official government end of tech security uh, recommendations, laboratory certification. A lot of very official big government things. They've released the sort of outline of their new password requirements. Their their recommended password requirements. You'll love this. Have you seen this? No, I have not. Remove periodic password change requirements. They don't work. And I what I've said that for years. One of my biggest battles with uh, the, uh, security in the enterprise was when they implemented this and we had a change, I think it was every 60 days. And I said, you're forcing people to write down a password because people can't remember it. Because not only did it have to change every 60 days, it couldn't repeat itself for like the last 10 or whatever it was. I'm like, you're forcing people to write down a password because they can't remember you know, they can only remember so many complex passwords. So even if you have a complex password, if you have to change it in 60 days, that's a lot of work. Well, I've said this for years. Now, that goes in tandem with the next recommendation, drop algorithmic complexity requirements. So the thing about the, the frequent password requirements is that if you combine that with requiring algorithmic complexity, then all you have to do to crack a password is replace the, the letter S with a dollar sign because everyone does the same thing. I don't agree with that. Well, they've my, my they tested it though. My perhaps, but my algorithm, my method had always been use sentences with punctuation. So it's that's that's how I had handled. It. Now that was before you are a savvy person. These great tools. This is not designed for yeah. savvy people. This is designed for people banking at let's say Chase dot com. <laughs> They're going to sue us if you keep saying their name in a bad light. So I've been told. <laughs> Uh, now, yeah. now this now, this only like, works like, with the next requirement. Okay. Require screening of new passwords against lists of commonly used and compromised passwords. Makes sense. So, just make sure that the password's not easily guessable or already guessed. Yeah. 
Yep. We definitely have a big enough uh, table out, rainbow table of this stuff. Yeah. People are very excited yeah. about this. It's going to make things a lot less of a pain in the ass on the internet. Um, I would have liked to see something well, like, I mean, like recommending a password manager. Not really. It's not going to change anything. You, you think uh, you know, IT security and some enterprise is going to look at this and say, oh, yeah, this seems worse. In an, in an enterprise? Absolutely. This. In an enterprise? No. It will, no but will below not. enterprise levels, it won't. They won't do it in an enterprise. You're crazy. They won't, they won't do this in an enterprise. Those knuckleheads have one archaic way of thinking about things that doesn't change, and it it they they have a very you know it's not changing. Like as soon as True. they see that, they they won't change. Well, we'll see. So you've got a, you got a Again, snippet here. Just, what I got another. I thought we were running out of time. We were going to skip this stuff. Okay, yes, the ghost script lawsuit. Now I don't know why this made news, but it did. Basically, what it confirmed that an open source license is an enforceable, enforceable contract. And what had happened was there was a company. I don't know if I want to mention the company. I mean, they're mentioned in the article. So if you're if you're interested, check the show notes and uh, you'll see who it is. Well, but we can mention the, we can the, mention the name of the ruling, which was Artifacts v. Hancom. This is true. That was the name of the ruling. The name of the ruling. We're not saying who's involved. We're just saying the name of the ruling. <laughs> yeah. So GhostScript is an open source license that, like many open source licenses, says if you use our product, you either A, have to open source your product, or B, pay us a licensing to use our product. This particular company chose to do neither. Um, a company behind GhostScript, which I believe is uh, the Artifacts. <laughs> company uh sued them and uh it was ruled that yes this open source license is an enforceable it's great i mean it it shouldn't really be a surprise uh but apparently it's enough of a a surprise that somebody decided to write about it but it's it's an agreement or contract like any other uh, agreement or contract so um but since we're on that topic uh you reminded me um show notes don't forget, uh, I, we'll probably talk about this a couple more times uh, through, over the next couple of weeks. We have moved uh, the PHP Ugly website and host to Simplecast. Uh, the biggest impact to you is if you don't subscribe to us through iTunes or Google Play, and you were subscribing to our RSS feed through uh, SoundCloud, it's no longer on SoundCloud. It's over at Simplecast. You can get there at phpugly.simplecast.fm. Or just www.phpugly.com should take you there as well. That's the new RSS feed. That's the new show notes. That's the new embedded uh, players that if you want to share on a website or something. You can. If you're subscribed to us through iTunes or Google Play, uh, nothing's changed for you. We updated all those endpoints and you'll continue to get your uh, feeds. Yeah, if you're, if you're hearing this now, don't worry. If you're not hearing this now, we've switched from SoundCloud to Simplecast. That's right. That's right. Good way of uh, putting it. All right, I, I need I need to do some uh, deep knee stretches and grab a beer for this one. We're we're oh, heading man. in. I hope we're heading into the darkness. We do this. Yeah, should, where are we at on time? Holy crap, dude! At the time. Don't worry, I'll cover it right. wonderfully slowly. Ah, <laughs> uh, so we we said it with Microsoft earlier. Once you get in the advertising game, it starts to control you um and the unfortunate news here is that amazon echo 
is entering the advertising game. Damn, so Joe. Yeah. So this is a pilot program. Um, there are certain skills that they will allow introductory style advertisements into. So if you've listened to NPR and hear what NPR considers an advertisement, stuff like that. Uh, but it's really walking into that territory of advertising to listeners that I don't like, that I know leads companies down bad paths, that I don't want to happen to a device that I love. So keep your keep your ears to the ground. Uh, Amazon might end up turning itself into an advertising company at some point soon. But hey, that's not the big news. So, so we don't know what that looks like or sounds like or anything right now. Huh? We know what it sounds like. Uh, I can give you a quick quote from this article. Say you're using one of the 327 sports skills on Amazon Echo or the Amazon Echo Dot. At the beginning of the skill, you might hear an ad that says, Welcome, thanks for listening, and thanks for... Thanks for listening, and thanks to ESPN for sponsoring us. Uh, after a few more listens to the same skill, it might tell you there's a big game coming up that you need to watch, or things like that. Sort of initially non-invasive, thanks to our sponsors stuff. Mm. Not bad, but the start of bad. Uh, and it happens so slowly, slowly, you don't even realize... That it's starting to control your behavior. I, I recently had this happen to me on Hulu. I, I realized uh, Hulu. I'm getting real fed up with. I'm about to cancel my subscription to. I, I, did. I really think I'm. I'm I've right done there. that. Um, the this latest thing is I. I really they, they moved to this watch list format, which I hate. I hate the watch list. Give me my favorites back, and let me track my favorites and when new shows come out. They have this watch list now that's funky as hell. It it definitely tries to manipulate what you're watching by bumping up on your watch list the things it wants you to watch. But I realized it's like, hey, I haven't seen my daily news on here forever. And it turns out daily news is not on Hulu anymore, along with some other comedy central properties uh, ha have been removed from Hulu. I'm like, this freaking sucks, man. I, I am so I'm oh, I am so over Hulu right now. I, I I haven't watched it in a very long time. I don't. I tell you, I think every time I that. every time I show somebody my piracy setup, they look at it and go, they go, "Holy shit, how you can do that? It's amazing. Yeah, it's easy." You just tell it what you watch, and now you have it. The end. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, as long as, long as they All make right. piracy more efficient, piracy will win. I'm not sure if you saw it this week, but uh, there was a, a bit of a ransomware attack hitting Windows machines uh, everywhere. What? Really? Yeah, it's called WannaCry. Well, it's, it's called Wanna Decryptor, but everyone's calling it WannaCry, because when you get it, you want to cry. And holy shit, the story gets better every day. When I first okay. put this story on our Trello board, it was the second day after it had happened. And it was the announcement that the cryptoware software was spreading using an NSA-developed exploit that they had not reported to Windows to be patched. Mm -hmm. That was day two. So what this does, it, it's a worm that you get the link, you, you run the executable, you do something dumb, it encrypts your hard drive, 
tells you that you need to pay a ransom of around $400 in Bitcoin to a specific address, and it'll decrypt your stuff once they get your payment. Um, but the, the big issue here is that it used the Eternal Blue exploit developed by the NSA to infect other machines via SMB protocol. So internal networks, once this thing got inside your network, you were cooked. You were done. Um, Hospitals got shut down. Uh, Banks have been hit. I mean, it's been a massive, massive problem. Uh, The UK's National Health Service got their entire network shut down because they're all running Windows XP and Windows 7. How how can how can the NSA not be found or sued for negligence Culpable. here? I mean, it is well. The president of Microsoft came out and said us. specifically, "This is the result of the NSA's policy on developing exploits without reporting them to vendors." So Microsoft has has squarely laid the blame on the NSA. Um, and. Yeah, and, and it's if you don't pay the ransom, your stuff is gone. Absolutely, just it's just gone. You don't get it back. Uh, if you pay the ransom, it turns out you do get it back. Someone remotely logs into your machine, enters in the decrypt code, and it, it decrypts all your files. Uh, now, day three, someone found a URL in the source code, registered the domain name for that URL, and boom – the entire system shut down. It turns out that there was a kill switch built into this version that c- prevented it from propagating. Uh, they're not sure. <laughs> they're not sure why. It was a security researcher who just sort of accidentally happened upon this and registered the domain to see what was the traffic that was getting, and boom, everything shut down. And he was the hero of the day. But then the next day, a new version was out. Didn't have that same safeguard. Didn't have that that restriction uh, and hops back out. So I think we're, we're four, we're five days into it as of this podcast. And there is a line of communications between the people who have been compromised and the people who have authored the software. First off, they appear to be North Korean. And second off, North Korean, North Korean, that the forensic artists at, the government level have said this looks like North Korean software. Hmm. Now, someone posted onto Reddit their conversation with the ransomer. Basically, said, "I'm in Bolivia. I make five dollars a day. How am I supposed to pay you four hundred dollars?" And the ransomers responded and said, "We are sorry. This was not intended for you. We will decrypt you for free." Really? Really? Hmm. It's fascinating. Ransomware with conscience. Now, there is a... Well, who was it intended for? uh, Us greedy Americans. Ah. Uh, Especially given that it was developed by us greedy Americans. So, it's still mutating. It's still out there, and it's taking people over. Uh security researchers on YouTube. YouTube people are running VMs to show what happens when you run this software. I mean, it's becoming a pop culture topic because it's becomes it's been so devastating for people. Um, and they've managed to raise in the area of $50,000 in Bitcoin so far because you can track how Bitcoin 
travels to and from people's wallets. And they've, they've made some money. Um, not a lot, but it seems like it's on an exponential curve as well. It seems like people are giving up That's and paying. A lot if, you, if you figure the ransomware is $400 a pop, they got $50,000. That's a significant amount of people who paid. Right? Yeah. So it, it's becoming an issue, and given the sort of uh, state-developed nature of it, the conversation in the public is changing to what happens when all of the newest and best NSA stuff is used to shut down the entire internet altogether. Yeah. I, the way these things spread, if they're, if they're spreading through an unpatched exploit in a popular operating system, of which there are only three, Windows, Linux, Mac, you, you could shut down the internet if you had a good exploit and just decided not to disclose it, which is the position that the NSA was in and it got out. Yeah. Do you keep, do you have files? Do I have do files? Do you have files? Yeah, I have files. I have a file, I have a file for files. you, by the way. What's what files? Who am I? I'm not, click, I'm not clicking. Oh yeah. Yeah. I found a file you would click on, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna click on that one. Yeah, so I, I I watch a lot of tech shows. Um, Hack Five is something I've been watching since early 2000, uh, even before that, even. And uh, they talked about their personal backup solutions, which include plugging in a hard drive, copying files to it, unplugging it, and then putting it in a secure location in a fire safe. Uh, I'm, I used to actually have an arson command that did that. I'm kind of getting there now. Uh, yeah, I get it. Most of my stuff is yeah, Google I Docs get, I get that. or Amazon hosted, you know. But I, I have some files that I like to keep my eyes on, and I'm realizing I'm not in the most secure position for that. Yeah. Yeah, it might be time to break out the old RC command and, and start RC to a drive. Here's my question. Amazon runs on one operating system, doesn't it? No. The whole the whole of a, the whole mean? of AWS. I mean we, we had an Amazon outage that, that crippled the internet a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. What if Amazon was yep. just gone? Yep. Uh, that, yeah. uh, I mean it, it it would be an adjustment period, but but yeah, it it would definitely have an impact for sure. So I'm I'm getting into uh, backup schemas all of a sudden, all over again. There used to be a really good uh, backup script I used to run on all my server and, and my desktop. It was called it was a Bash script. It was something called Backup Manager or something like that. It was fantastic. Uh, it, I mean, it was very easy to read. It was a Bash script, and it would back up. Uh, File systems, it would compress them, it would zip them, it would, it would actually push them places for you. Mm. Uh, if you didn't want to back them up to an external drive, it would do databases. Um, I should see if that, that's the thing. I bet you it is. Backup man, uh, command lines, command line. Uh, uh issues. I, I hope it's not a virus. I haven't been able to post a tweet. I haven't been able to post a tweet this whole time because, uh, Twitter, Twitter's having issues. Trump is still tweeting. That's okay. good. Yeah, can't can't lose that stream Let's information. See, what, what is it? Backup manager. Backup. It was actually backup dash manager. Back, there it is. Backup manager. It's on GitHub now. Look at that. Is this the same thing? That looks like the same. This is it. Backup dash manager. It's on GitHub. 
Uh, I used to run this all the time. Wow, I used to put this on my servers. I might need to. I might need to revisit this one. Uh, are they still developing this thing? Or yeah, I mean, there's development work on it within the past year. Interesting. All right. Well, we, there's one thing. All right, there's one Thomas. thing we haven't covered, and we what? will cover it next oh, week. Killing. Be Net neutrality one. is losing its title to. Covering. We are absolutely covering. Oh, you're right. We have to do it now. No. Killing these smalls. <laughs> what? What do you want to talk uh, about? Net neutrality is dead. Oh Jesus! Don't let's I not, told let's you. Not, you. I just. I just. I just went off the hinges about. Number forty-five here. You don't get me started on net neutrality. So oh, we will smalls. we will discuss this in a future episode. But the breaking news is that net neutrality has lost title two, and everything net neutrality that's it's gone. It's done for. They they completely <laughs> ignored the comments from the public. <sighs> so it's, it's a done deal. People, you got to you got to take of your next election. Please. I swear, please do. All right, all right. Way to way to bring us all down for another couple weeks, don't, Thomas. Don't worry, yeah. I'll make that. I'll make that the intro. All right, brother. I think this is this is turned into a hefty show to edit. I I, I thought we were flying through it for a while, but uh, hopefully you can knock this one out pretty quick. All right. Uh, so I think that's going to wrap it up for episode sixty-one of PHP Ugly. American Towns. I'm Tom Rideout. Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Show notes can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or directly off the PHP Ugly RSS feed. A rating of five stars on iTunes is appreciated. Submit articles to phpugly at reddit.com slash r slash phpugly. Until next week, keep it ugly.